2: No, 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 is not Chris Schmidt, all right? This is Bill Dolman sitting in for Chris Schmidt. Somehow I got roped in to sitting in for Schmidt, who's away with family today, and we wish him well and safe travels and all that, so here I am. And basically, you're with me for the next couple of hours, although we will hear from Chris because he's got a conversation with Danny Burke. He's got a conversation with Gary Barnett that the spoly is going to be here, hopefully not talking about Kansas basketball as she did fifteen years ago. But what this is going to basically be is uh, perhaps a coup attempt. and we go may go back in time, and this may turn into the uh, the average Joe sports show, Hale Varsity Edition, or, Hale Varsity Radio, the Average Joe Sports Show edition. Also on the show today, we got Tom Patel from the Omaha World-Herald, so we're going to go back in time and uh, uh, visit with a friend of mine, old friend of mine, and Mike Riley, a Lincoln Northeast grad, who spent a lot of time with us back in the day on ESPN 1480 when we did do the Average Joe Sports Show back about 2004. Uh, Three, four, five, and six, somewhere in there. Now, as I say this, I want to bring in uh, uh, my
0: co-host for the day, Damon Barr, is joining us. And, Damon, were you even alive when the Average Joe Sporto was on? Uh, I, I was born in 98, so if that if that t- gives your answer or not, uh, not something I was aware of, uh, that, that's right. my answer.
2: Yeah, it's, it's part of Lincoln Moore. So you might want to go back in uh, in time and and, and uh, you know listen back to all of the shows that we did. And you'll get up to speed on the average Joe Sports Show. But that was a show that I did on ESPN 1480 uh, um, back in the uh, the early part of this century, which sounds kind of odd to to be saying. So anyway. Welcome to the show, it's nice to be back in the saddle for the first time in about 15 years and hopefully we'll get a chance to hear from some of you folks who listened back then, who listen now Uh, 402-466-3776 and 1-800-825-5865 telephone numbers that have been ingrained in my head uh, for about 20 years now So what can we talk about on the show today? Well, uh, the spring game, we still have some fallout that we can talk about uh, from that, which also, by the way, was a return trip for me to go back to God's country and uh, talk about my spring game experiences. Um, what else is happening in the world of sports? Of course, the Aaron Rodgers story will not go away. And uh, for some reason, it just continues to percolate uh uh, quite a bit uh, Albert Pujols has been released by the uh, the uh, Anaheim Los Angeles California Angels why aren't they the California Angels I always thought you know okay LA's got the Dodgers and growing up in southeast Nebraska is much like growing up in southern California so I'm a lifelong Dodger fan but I always wondering well why don't the Angels just like take all of California why did they have to go from Anaheim to Los Angeles and all that so anyway so who else has been let go and, uh, or, and uh, is looking for a new job, apparently. Uh, what else can we talk about today? Uh, hey, if you want to really get near and dear to my heart, let's talk some IndyCar and NASCAR.
0: Are you into that at all, Damon? Uh, I, I can't say I keep up with the scene. You're going to have to fill me in on, the, yeah. on what's going on right now.
2: Yeah, my guess. I just wanted to say that out loud just because I love talking to and NASCAR, but my guess is that we probably won't get a lot of calls on that. But we'll certainly love to hear from you. Uh, again, 466-3776, one eight hundred uh, eight two five five 825 let let's go back to this past weekend. All right, had an opportunity to uh, go hang out in Lincoln and uh, watch the spring game, and I tell you, it, it was great. To be back in Memorial Stadium, it was great to be around a large group of people again. It was great to see people's faces, smiling faces, especially in Lincoln. And why not be smiling because you live in Nebraska, which, of course, is a suburb of heaven. Uh, but I thought it was a, it was a it was a good show by uh, by Nebraska football, which is really what you know the spring game is kind of all, a, all about. Uh, I remember back when when Bill Callahan took. Over And people were all enamored with the new West Coast offensive was going to come in and uh, revitalize, revolutionize uh, Nebraska football for whatever that's worth. And like the first play, people were all excited because there's going to be all this motion and there's all these players moving around and, and like five guys shifting before the play. And I remember saying, look, that's all for show. And sure enough, after the, uh, the spring game, Callahan said, yeah, it's all basically for show, which is what the spring game is. But I thought Nebraska put on a good show. But my question for you is, and perhaps for Tom Shell when we talk to him in the next segment is, did we see the future of football in the spring game? And what I mean by that is, the first half of the spring game was essentially touch football and pats. And with all of the concern about head injuries and injuries and the contact, the high speed of football, pad size, all of that stuff, is it possible that down the road we may see football be more like we saw in the first half than we saw in the second half? Now, I will admit, I did not watch any other spring game (laughs) this spring, all right? I didn't watch Oregon spring game on the Pac-12 network. I didn't watch Colorado's. I didn't watch uh, anybody else in the Big Ten. So I don't know what anybody else did. But Nebraska, for the first half, played essentially touch football in packs. With all the concerns for injuries and all of that,
0: did we see the future of football? Well, Bill, I don't know if it's the future of on-the-field football, but there's a AP article, Ralph Russo, saying uh NCAA committees are pushing a new fall camp model forward. It's a nine eight eight model, eight days of uh helmets and pads with no life tackling, nine days and just helmets, and you can't have more than eight full contact days, no more than two consecutive days of full contact practices. So this is a measure that uh may pass and go into effect this next year. Uh just affecting fall camp but maybe that eventually does bleed onto the field who knows
2: okay but what what is the science behind that the 898 or the 989 or the every other day in pads or whatever look i'm gonna go back in time all right i mentioned the average of sports show i said this probably as early as 2004, 2005. And I'm not sure. I did not go back in time to, to the sad instances when Dave Dorsen and Junior Sayel passed away and that really started to bring to the forefront the CTE issues and the concussions issues in the game of football. But I was saying 15 years ago or more that if you want to make football safer, and I've said it on on, on Hale Varsity, if you want to make it safer, you get rid of the face mask, you get rid of the helmet. Because if, with, with players wearing those things, they all of a sudden feel somewhat invincible that they can go in there and they can launch. And you can have the head-to-head contact. I've done a lot of rugby over the last five years. And there's probably, I don't want to say not a more violent sport, but you hear the body crashes and you hear the bones crunching. And you hear it and you see it and you see guys who are massively sized. And you see guys who are not all that big, yet they go in there fearlessly, and rarely do you see the kind of injuries in rugby without pads, other than the skull cap that they have. You will not see the injuries in rugby that you see in football, and they've taken away the, the high tackle in rugby, right? So you can't go higher. That's a penalty. You're, you go to the sin bin. But in football, you have the helmet and you have the face mask. And I know in Steve Sippel's column, uh, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, that he quoted Bill as saying, if you want to make the game safer, get rid of the face mask. And, and Steve noted that, well, I think he was joking, or at least I think he was. Well, I've been saying this for a long time, and I went back and I looked in 2011. There's there's articles in the the Washington Post. There's articles in in Bleacher Report in its early days. Heinz Ward has said this. Most notably, John Madden talked about not having kids wear helmets and play tackle football at the ages of six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He was on the Heads Up Committee uh, about a decade ago and talked about making football safer. So my question is, and if people want to weigh in, 466 3776 7, 8, is it as crazy now as what I said 15-plus years ago? Would the game of football be safer without helmets, which are aesthetically pleasing? I get it. And face masks are cool, especially when they're all kind of funky and all that. But if you got out there with a Joe Feisman or a Gary Primian single bar face mask, my guess is guys would be a lot more hesitant to go in face first. And I remember when Warren Sapp, back when he wasn't in trouble and was playing the game, he was saying, you know what? It's hard for us to be marketable when we're covering up our faces, right? And he's playing for the Raiders, pretty famous guy got his ass run over in the 95 Orange Bowl by Nebraska and Corey Lessinger and all those guys. But nevertheless, so my question is, did we see the future of football in the first half of the uh, the spring game? (laughs) I was wondering, too, are we going to see special teams play where you've got a guy snapping the ball and a guy kicking the ball and one guy receiving the ball, and wherever they catch it, either the ball is dead there or – you make your center go down there and make a one-on-one tackle, not the Oklahoma drive because that's about to become illegal. All right. But I thought, you know what? If we just punt the ball, the guy catches it, the ball is dead where he catches it, and that's where the, the next, uh, that's where the, the drive is going to start, right? So you don't have to worry about the Illinois punter roaming around aimlessly in Lincoln like we saw last fall. All right. He's got to kick it. The guys, they catch it, and that's where
0: that eliminates uh, the dangers of the special teams play. Hey, hey, Bill, we got Chris on the line here. Schmidt. Not that Chris. <laughs> oh, okay.
2: Chris, how are you?
3: Billy D. Hey, so I, I'm going to – this is maybe going to be an, an unpopular sentiment towards this, but why why the is the push to make the game safer? Like, it's a violent sport. If you don't want to get hurt, don't play it. Like that's been my stance on this all along, you know, going in that this is a rough contact sport, and the, the the chances or the likelihood of you being injured are pretty good. So, I I mean that that's that's I guess from the you know the standpoint of if you if they start changing football more and more, I think they're already losing audience, you know, people that don't want to watch it um, because they're they're changing the way the game plays. If you go to the way the game was played in the first half. You're, the money is going to start to disappear. And and ultimately, I think we agree that money is what drives this the sport to begin with. So that's just my thought.
2: First, I appreciate the call, and I agree with you. you. You know what you signed up for when you walk on the field, when you put the pads on. I think it's certainly scary when you start to hear about what is happening to those who have – play the game and played the game prior to all of the attention that is being given to it, uh, with, you know, Junior Seau, Dave and like I said, and all those who have followed, who may not have perished, but are suffering uh, tragically because of uh, injuries that were suffered before people really started to, to realize, you know, how dangerous it is. But look, if you're going to launch the head – and you're going to tackle the way some guys have tackled. And you're going to go back in time to the days of the, the Raiders and Jack Tabe. And, and you know, one of the most famous plays in football was Chuck Bednarik laying out Frank Gifford back in, what, the 1950s or 60s, right? And Ch- Chuck Bednarik even said, if you want to make the game safer, get rid of the face mask. That's one of the toughest guys to ever play the game. But Dick said the same thing many, many years ago. I, I get it. You, you know what you signed up for when you signed up. But at the same time you still can make the game somewhat safer but sometimes you think the actions that they're taking aren't exactly going to make the product better you know I think tackling is atrocious right now and you don't see very good you see a lot of sloppy play in the month of September even in the NFL but yeah you know what you signed up for when you signed up to play but you can still you know play it safer play it smarter and still make it more exciting, but uh, I, I agree the product has somewhat uh, been diminished.
0: Cool, thanks for the call, appreciate it. David, are we out on time? We got a couple more minutes. Yeah, we got like two minutes here. All right. Uh, so if you want to give us
2: a call, 466-3776-1800, four six six three seven seven six one eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. But it is interesting when you go and you read a little bit more about it, see those who have said, have voiced an opinion that look. If you want to make it safer, (laughs) there are some things you can do. I've always wondered, too, you know, they've gone to these pads, like the quarterback pad now look like they're, you know, glorified J-pads from back in the day. You look at what Scott Frost was wearing when he's running through Tennessee back in 1998. You know, he's got linebacker pads on. But all of a sudden, they just have come to these things where they're just kind of protecting the, the shoulders a little bit uh I would think that that makes it a little more dangerous. Here's another thing too. You mentioned this, Damon, that they're gonna go do away with pads, but you can wear your helmet. So you're gonna go helmets and no shoulder pads. It still seems to me that you you're bringing the you're bringing the weapon to the fight here, you know, to have the repeated you know bang of the helmet. I, I that that mystifies me. If you want to keep the head out of it, guys will keep their heads out of it if they're not wearing the helmet. And again, this comes about because of what we saw in the first half of the, the spring game. And look, I didn't think it was that bad to be honest with you. Was it was it fun? Was it exciting? Eh. but look, guys running through the line, he gets touched. Referee calls the play dead. We move on, and not that not that big of a deal. But anyway. So, do we see the future of football in the first half? Perhaps we'll uh, chat with Tom Chattel about that. I know he had uh, a thought or two in his uh, post-spring column. And we're going to be talking to Tom from the Omaha World-Herald coming up. Also coming up later on the show, Schmidt does have a conversation with uh, Gary Barnett. Uh, Chris asked me to host the show, but no, still got to stick around. Still got to be a part of it. So we'll hear from Gary Barnett and Mike Riley will join us for an Average Joe Sports Show reunion. And we're back,
1: fellas. You think we could listen to the radio? Listen. on Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska
2: Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Welcome back to Hail Varsity Radio, I'm Bill Dolman, sitting in for Chris Schmidt, who is away with family today, he will be back in the saddle again tomorrow, and I'll be on the, uh, the sidekick for a, a couple of minutes, as I usually am on a Friday, somehow I got roped into this, so it's me and Damon Barr, and uh, now joined by good friend, great columnist, great friend, good columnist, Tom Chatelle of the Omaha World Herald is joining us, Tom, how are you? The legend, Dolman, you're back! <laughs> Well, sort of. I'm in the Highlands Ranch Colorado Bureau of Hale Varsity Radio, so not exactly in Lincoln. They wouldn't let me back in two weeks in a row, so I've got to do my time away. But yeah, it's great to be with you, at least on the radio. Is that that like the, the Big Red Shop in Vail? <laughs> kind of you know it's also by the way my basement also doubles as NBC Sports Highlands Ranch uh, this is where we also do uh, some of our international broadcasts it's from my basement so little uh, little secret out there
3: well I won't tell anybody
2: alright yeah, just between us kids well it's great to have you with us I, I, I texted Tom earlier today and I said you know I really don't know what's been going on around Nebraska so maybe we, we could talk about my stuff and uh, you could chime in on biathlon, curling, archery, cross-country skiing.
3: Yeah, go <laughs> ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to listen.
2: <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll share this with you, though, Tom. I was doing League 12 baseball uh, last year, uh, two, you know, two years ago because there was none last year. I'm doing the tournament in Oklahoma. I'm watching TV and this girl looks up at the screen and, and she's watching uh, some, you know, obscure sport. And so I do some of that stuff. She goes, you know, the sport I really like is that sport where they ski around and shoot stuff. I said, you mean oh. biathlon? She goes, yeah, where they ski around, and they start shooting things. I go, well, it's not exactly like that. But nevertheless, that's an Oklahoman's view of what biathlon is. And I'm guessing maybe folks in Nebraska, too. Uh,
3: I think it's like a James Bond movie I saw. <laughs> that's
2: exactly right that's what i tell people that's what i tell people all right uh, let's uh, let's talk about this game and we're damon and i were talking about this in the first segment and you made a little note in your column this week where you said you didn't mind the first half of the basically touch football in pats i'm asking you this is it possible that we saw the future of football in the first half
3: yeah i i don't think it is i mean we've been hearing that for a long time uh yeah the reason I said that was um because they 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 had a, a very physical uh spring practice and um uh, the, the 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 issues I have with the basketball football are not physical it was when frost took over they they got pushed around pretty good um by Iowa Wisconsin but that has not been the case the last two years uh they have held their own at the line of scrimmage uh with everybody and I, I believe that part of the development is over with they're, they're, they're fine there they just got to stop uh, just stop making mistakes but um, as far as the future you know if the NFL goes to touch football then I believe it but there is no way in hell that the NFL I mean, NFL is about gambling and violence. And, uh, and and probably who can make the playoffs? I guess, or you know, I guess lately it's a bit about quarterbacks. But I mean, the NFL fan thrives on those things: gambling and violence. You will never take either one of those away. The the gambling aspect in sports is about to explode, and you will now see leagues. The uh, a professional leagues will 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 be leading the way in a lot of the gambling, but no. If I mean, if I felt like, I mean, if, if college, they're going to do whatever the NFL does, because when it comes down to it, colleges, college football is about making money. It's about people on the stands, and they've got enough issues right now getting people to go to games. If you take away tackling, uh, then you're going to have a few more holes in those seats. Um, so I don't believe they will. But the danger here is they're taking it away from uh, the practices, and it's it's actually um, it, it's more dangerous to have these kids not tackle a practice and then have to do it and, and hit and do all those, all those violent things in games without without preparation. You know, the, the preparation for it. They don't know how to do it. They're not ready for it. They're going to get hurt more often in games than they, than they were. So uh, it's it's really misguided that the rules are about to instill. Uh, uh, it's 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 one of those sports where you either, you know, I know I know we we want to, you know, there's a generation of people coming up that want to make everything safer and want to take care of this and that and and uh, I don't. We believe in the word woke, but it's, it's more of a, of a different attitude. Well, football is one of those sports where it won't work. You can't do it. You just have to leave it alone.
2: You know, it's interesting, uh, everybody talks about you got to trust the science and trust the science, but then when you hear the this 898 rule and the limiting of, of certain practices and how many per week where you to have contact and not have contact and what kind of contact that you can have, and you know, yeah, you, you question what the safety actually is and what the science behind an 898 rule really is when, uh, you know, I, I've, I've said this for, for many, many years, going back to 2004, we talked about in the first segment, if you want to make the game safer get rid of face masks or get rid of helmets because that's going to take the head out of the game much like it does in the sport of rugby now whether or not you know that actually happens i i doubt because i still think the helmet is the aesthetic part of the game of football but you know you look at there's a study by the university of new hampshire where if you limit helmet contact it's like 28 percent safer but the product on the field in september typically is not all that good going back to what you said just a moment ago um, another thing I want to follow up on what you said you know the Nebraska being physical you really notice that is in the line play do you think that for Scott Frost and company that grow in a roster not just in numbers but in terms of actual physical size that they have accomplished what they needed to to be competitive consistently now in the Big Ten
3: I do and 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 I do think that that was one of the, the the strong takeaways. The main takeaway in the spring was this looks like a football team now, a major college football team. They they, they passed the eye test, you know, coming off the bus or, or what have You um, they, they've got size now. Their receivers uh, looked apart. Um, it's 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 sort of been a slow transformation, but that's how that's how it goes. Um, I, it's just. The last piece of the puzzle, Bill, and the most baffling piece for me is someone, and you were here before me, uh, you're one of the original guys in the you know, Nebraska uh, the SID office and the press box, and you go back to the early 80s. Uh, I won't say you're older than that, but uh, <laughs> the, the Husker way is not nine wins a year. It's not... Fiesta Bulls and Orange Bulls, it's not the option. It's not even the run game. It's you you play good, clean football. You don't make mistakes. You know, Nebraska. For years, they we used to make fun. of when I was in Kansas City when we got covered other teams. They would always come to Nebraska and they, they, they lose by forty. But we used to make fun of Nebraska on the big eight. They were. That they were the the robots. They had no personality. They didn't. They didn't speak. They were machines, um, and they just never blinked. And I think about that now. Those days where More never said anything, and Nebraska would just come out and just pound you early, and just sit on top of you, and just wear you down uh, mentally, and physically, because. You couldn't make a mistake because Nebraska never did. When I think about those days now, that's how they're losing all these games now. And I just – it blows my mind that that's the part of Nebraska football that when when Peterson came and we all changed everything and and so on and so forth, it's, it's been the, the missing piece of their, their history that they just haven't uh, replaced –
2: you know, I, 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 there's two games that always come to my mind. We're down to our final two minutes, Tom, and I appreciate you joining us. The Texas game where Nebraska lost, I think it was 27-24. It was a great game, that game, back and forth. Texas was better, but Nebraska played well, still lost. And after the game's over with, uh, you know, Jamal Lord played heroically. People were, you know what, that was a great game. Applauded both teams as they went off the field, and, you know, too bad we lost. And I think that brought the home win streak to an end. Well, Remember that 7-3 win over Pitt one year when people are going, what the hell is going on here? And right. you, can, you know, Nebraska fans know good football and can appreciate it when they lose, and they know bad football and have a problem with it even if you win.
3: Right. It's got to make sense. Uh, the You know, they've only, everybody's a play caller. Everybody's a coordinator. I get that. Um, but the football has, has to be – their team has to play hard. And appear to be well coached uh, well drilled, and uh, it's just been so long since we've seen that um, and i think I'm, I'm to me that's again the missing piece of the, the the frost regime here and i I think a lot of that is leadership on the field. the players it has to mean something the pride doing the job the right way and it's hard to teach that, and that's what they've got to do now. And uh, once they get that back, I think everything everything is, is going to flow.
2: The word you used in your column the other day was urgency. Do you get the sense that as cool and laid back as Scott Frost is, uh, last question to you, do you get the sense that he understands that urgency now and that uh, that eight and nine win thing that Bill Moose is talking about is a much louder message than we realize?
3: I do. This
2: was one of the few
3: times I've ever seen a coaching hire where the 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 the, uh, the, the celebration and the uh, the uh, parade came before it came at the beginning. They hadn't done anything yet, and so a lot of that's worn off now. Bill, the people are looking at Scott like, "Okay, can you coach or not?" You know what's going on here. I know Scott feels that. And so there were just little subtle things that came out in spring. Um, the urgency uh, stuff, you can, you can hear it in their voices. Uh, they're rallying around special teams finally. They're slowing down the pace to make sure blocks are finished and the job is done right. I mean, th- these are good signs of progress, but we've got to see them on the field this fall.
2: And I like seeing those hats on those offensive linemen that say run the damn ball because I think anybody from Nebraska would appreciate something like that. Tom, I appreciate your time. I guess I'm being counted out. I don't know how to do breaks anymore, but it's great to talk with you. You're awesome, and we'll talk again soon. Well, call me. We've got the, the, the Olympic curling trials next fall. Give me a call.
3: <laughs> I'm
1: there. <laughs> See you later. All right, Matt. See you. Chime in. 402. 466 ESPN or email the show, Chris at varsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: I'm Chris Schmidt today traveling with family. Bill Loman sitting in. Uh, this is an average sports show coup on Hail Varsity Radio for the afternoon. Chris will be back uh, tomorrow, but you will. Have a chance to hear from him a little bit later on because he does have a conversation with uh, Gary Barnett uh, coming up as well as Danny Burke in the second hour of the show. Mike Riley, Lincoln Northeast grad and good friend, Nebraska grad who is uh, creating a media consulting empire for himself, as I'm finding out, in the city of Chicago will be joining us. And we will be talking a little Average Joe sports show and uh, probably some Hallmark movies with uh, Riles coming up in uh, hour number two. Just got on talking with Tom Chateau of the Omaha World Herald, who is one of, one of the really great columnists uh, in the country. And I mean that sincerely. Tom is a friend. But uh, when, you, when you go around, you travel around, you read newspapers, uh, what's left of, unfortunately, uh, Tom does a, a fantastic job in uh, covering all aspects and giving you a real good objective opinion. Um, he seems pretty, Damon, Damon Barr joining it seems fairly positive as if uh, Nebraska's a buy, at least in uh, terms of prospects for the coming season. May not be an eight or nine win team, as Bill Moose is saying,
0: but... I think everything's on the on the rise. I, I'm definitely seeing the, the physicality thing kind of coming back up to where we want it to. You know, I saw something funny that said like the 2020s are going to be the decade of sloppy tackling, and it was based on those uh no pads and practice rules. But I, I think Nebraska is returning to kind of that strong mentality, and that's that's something that I really like to see. It it gives me a little bit of hope that they'll turn things around.
2: You know, people say that if you really want to watch, you know, where football is won, where football is lost, you got to watch in the trenches. And I have tried to do that over the years, uh, having watched the pipeline back in the 90s, uh, do what it did. And again, no Nebraska offensive line should be dubbed as the pipeline until it proves itself to be worthy of the pipeline. And I will also tell that goes for the black shirts as well. But I did watch uh, from my one millionth row of vantage point at Memorial stadium on Saturday. And I, I agree. Nebraska looks like a, a different, and I'm saying looks like a different football team sidewise. I think Zach Duvall uh, has done probably what he has set out to do. And that's to make this team bigger and stronger and Now the key is get them nastier. Uh, I saw a a Facebook post uh, from a former Nebraska football player on uh, Sunday after he watched the spring game, and he said that, is it Nash Hutmacher? Yeah, the big guy. Reminded him of Christian Peter. My first reaction was, yes. My second reaction was, yikes. I mean, Harry was around Christian and Jason and Jerry homage and Grant Wistrom and those guys back in those days. Uh, that's pretty high praise, but yikes. Uh, but if if Nebraska's got guys like that along the defensive and offensive lines, then there's a chance. And I think you started to see that a little bit toward the end of last year. I know things didn't go well against Minnesota, and it was completely embarrassing. I know things did not go well against Illinois, and that was embarrassing as well. But I think for the most part, when you when you saw the line play, and I'll even go into the Ohio State game, the first game of last year, 52-17. I know that did not go <laughs> our way, Nebraska's way. But even in that game, there were semblances of way hey, this team looks different. And it also, by looking different, looks familiar. That there is some size, there's some beef along the lines. Is there the nastiness? Well, we're going to find out uh, as this season plays out. But I agree with Tom. It's not just, you know, rebuilding the roster and making it into what the kind of team Scott Frost wants. It's building a team that looks like a Nebraska football team. And I think that those strides are being made. Uh, so much so that I don't think everything in the spring games necessarily had all of its attention directed toward, you know, what Adrian Martinez was doing. I think there was so much more happening on the field that was good and positive that that gives reason for hope and maybe gives reason for Bill Moose to say eight or nine wins.
0: You know, Bill, you brought up beef, and I think that's a perfect segue into our Memorial Day kickoff giveaway with nice. uh, Capital <laughs> Patio and Flame Shop. Uh, your chance to get qualified to win a Weber Spirit E-210 gas grill, Weber T brush, and Capital Patio rub from Capital Patio and the Flame Shop. A $100 gift certificate from Leon's Gourmet Grocer's. And a hundred dollar gift card to Campbell's Nursery. We'll get you qualified later this hour. Next segment, you'll hear the uh, the infamous uh, music bed with the grill sound that uh, Chris says sounds like his wife ready to electrocute him. But we'll get you qualified end of this hour and end of next hour. Just thought I'd uh, I'd plug that a little here in this segment.
2: What a segue! Nice job, well played. you Still have the beef club at Nebraska.
0: I, I can't say we, I, I've been a part of uh, such a club. I, I don't see any posters for it on campus, so uh, I'm well, reckon to say just, no.
2: <laughs> well, you, you you are a youngin'. Now, I, I I don't know if they still have the Beef Club or not. My guess is that they probably do. I would think Dave Ellis, who is a, you know, the greatest uh, sports nutritionist in the history of the business, in fact, like Boyd Epley, pretty much invented the, the genre. Let me just tell you this. The Beef Club, they basically... The, the, Those were ranchers out in Nebraska that would donate, you know, brontosaurus size, you know, uh, sides of beef to the athletic department to feed guys at the training table. It's like everybody, you know, ate like Fred Flintstone, right? Let me just tell you this. I'm playing in like a a scramble back in, oh, geez, I don't know, 94, 95, 96, 97, somewhere when I was hosting the Tom Osborne show. And they have these scrambles all around the state of Nebraska – in small towns like david city and shickley and broken bow and columbus and whatnot and i think we're in david city having this this scramble we got a call coming in here real quick and this guy brings in this huge ass old drum grill y'all got one i know uh, everybody's got a friend that has one of those kind of grills, right so uh they wheel this thing into this uh, golf course it might have been a nine-hole golf course that's how small the town was kind of like Fairbury. And guy brings in a side of beef, fresh steaks to this day, the greatest piece of meat that ha- steak I have ever had in my entire life served on paper plates, plastic ware, A1 steak sauce, which was not needed.
0: You know, the, col- the coleslaw slopped on the plate. Still, by far, the best steak I've ever had in my life. All right, who's on the phone? All right, Jason, we got 30 seconds. What's up, man?
4: Hey, Bill, tell us about, uh, I've been a long-time fan of you and Schmidty back in the average Joe sports days, you know that. Bill, it's good to hear your voice. Uh, tell us next hour about what it's like at NBC and Olympic Channel or whatever. And were you in a Denver mattress
5: commercial last year?
2: <laughs> Look, Jason, I'm eye candy, all right? <laughs> you know? Of so, course. Yeah, yeah, that was me. Uh, obviously, you noticed me, and not Annie, <laughs> the uh, the beautiful blonde uh, spokesperson for Denver's matches. But that's why I'm there. Yeah, she's I'm a there. Gal. To draw oh, the oh, all right? That. You know, I'm eye candy. I get it. Jason, thanks for the call. Great to hear from you. Gotta take a break. More with uh, Hale Varsity Radio after this.
1: And now.
0: And now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome back to It Hail Varsity Radio. Bill Dolman taking over for Chris Schmidt today and me, Damon Barr, producing this show. Uh, just right away this segment, you heard me uh, give a little uh, reminder. Our Memorial Day kickoff, your chance to win a Weber Spirit E-210 Grass Gas Grill Weber t Brush and Capital Patio Rub from capitol patio and flame shop hundred dollar gift certificate from leon's gourmet grocers and a hundred dollar campbell's nursery gift card uh, we will announce our grand prize winner on friday may 21st listen for your chance to win it if you qualify but let's go ahead and get you qualified right here there's the sound of that grill caller number nine <laughs> you will be our uh, lucky qualifier today caller number nine 402-466-3776 one 825 I'm going to send it back over to Bill while I uh, grab these phone calls Bill
2: David Barr handling the phones hanging out with me today on Yale Varsity Radio the Average Joe Sports Show edition uh, Jason called in the last uh, segment and uh, mentioned uh, yeah I've done some Denver mattress commercials in the past What up? I'm eye candy I get it alright He also asked about uh, NBC Sports and the Olympic Channel and uh, NBCSN. Um, Don't have much time left in in this hour. We've got a couple of interviews in the, in the, uh, the second hour coming up along with Mike Riley, good friend from the Average Joe Sports Show days. But I will just say this. NBC has been incredibly good to me, and I've had the opportunity to call probably 15 different sports, I think, over the last three or four years with NBC. Be blessed to, to work another, be my third Olympics coming up in July, July 23rd through uh, to August 8th or something like that. And uh, what they have uh, nowadays is a lot of the staff is actually in Stanford, Connecticut at the uh, the mothership, if you will, of NBC Sports, where the headquarters is, where you, if you watch Sunday Night Football, where the, the studio shows are done, where NHL hockey is done, and all of that. So uh, spend the, my Olympics in stanford and thoroughly love it there uh that's where i did the 2016 and the 2018 um but what they do for a lot of the sports that i covered just to kind of give you an idea is uh there are uh, uh broadcast entities overseas that that shoot the video disseminate it via a satellite it comes down to whichever country broadcasting it wants to to pull it down and we put it on the air, and, and that's just the way the business has been going. And as if you watch sports right now and you see all these, these folks in their, their basements, which is where I am right now, and uh, they're doing it out of their home offices, we've been doing that at NBC for probably three or four years now. So what those guys are trying to get used to is kind of old hat uh, for all of us. But uh, love doing all those sports. And I'll tell you, the, the appreciation for those Olympic sports for me Grew out of being a part of the Nebraska Athletic Department back in the 1980s and in the 90s and seeing not just what Tom Osmond's football team were all about, but seeing Nebraska wrestling, Nebraska gymnastics with Francis Allen, uh, Cal Bent swimming and diving. Uh, you name it, the the variety of sports at the University of Nebraska provided a background for me to be able to have the great experiences with NBC that I have had. So uh, it is quite the operation. Uh, Technically, it's an incredible place to go. And it's been great opportunities to be a part of Olympic coverage, uh, the last uh, summer and winter games, and looking forward to the summer coming up. Sorry, did you get somebody qualified for your uh, little group, by the way?
0: Yeah, Kurt just qualified. And we'll have another chance for you guys to qualify next hour.
2: All right, Kurt, way to go. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, Schmitty will be back in the chair visiting with Gary Barnett
1: after this.
6: back with you it's City varsity radio presented by the nebraska lottery hour two and again big thanks to bill dolman for sitting in we say hi to the coach gary barnett colorado northwestern hall of famer coach uh, how was the spring weekend in boulder
5: well we had great weather uh and um it was a shortened sort of um scrimmage more than anything else They did a lot of situations they've you know, like a lot of guys, a lot of teams, they're down in numbers. Um, you know, they don't have the walk-on prowessness that you have at Nebraska. So, um, you know, they probably only had 60 kids practicing. Mm. But it was good. It was effective. I think Carl thought they got a lot done, uh, sh- showcased both quarterbacks a little bit. And um, so... it, it at this point in time, everybody's excited to play the last practice and get it over with and be safe. And so I think that was sort of the tone. I think they had 500 people in the stadium. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we just did a sort of talkover as things went on and KKs occasionally talk about you know, what was taking place on the field itself. But we talked more about the players and the situations in the past summer and that sort of stuff. So it was good. It was, you know, we streamed it and it was fine. Mm
6: -hmm. So I got to ask you, does, does Ralphie make an appearance for the spring game?
5: Well, uh, Ralphie, uh, no. The answer is that it's short is no, but Ralphie is retired. So they're working like crazy trying to get Ralphie trained, a Ralphie trained, for the fall. And because of protocols Mm -hmm. in Boulder County, they're having a little trouble actually getting practice time in. So I think it's a little iffy whether... Whether Ralphie even makes
6: it to the first game? Wow, that's that's unique. Yeah, uh, usually you see Ralphie doing doing her thing or his thing, uh, running out of the tunnel there. Gary Barnett's with her, her
5: thing, always her. They're, they're all they're all hers.
6: Okay, okay. Well, uh, I know that. <laughs> good, good, good to <laughs> yeah. know now. So Nebraska's spring practice. I mean, it was just kind of a thud session. The first half, second half, there was tackling. And it it was fine, and and Nebraska showed some flashes by some of the kids you're kind of waiting on uh, that have been in the program, right? Nebraska's big thing is the lines of scrimmage, and is there going to be a pass rush? And I want to get your take on this, and and Bill Moose was talking about it, Nebraska's athletic director, when it comes to the NCAA and, and safety, and concerns for uh, athlete safety and, and tackling and contact and coach what's what 's the right answer uh, with 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 tackling how much to do, getting your kids ready for real tackle football that 's going to happen on Saturdays, but also keeping them safe and the, the cumulative effect of of, of hits and tackles, and obviously being concerned about the, their long-term health and well welfare uh, with the, the contact that is tackle football, and you know what what's going to happen? I guess is my question. What's the right answer if you were the college football czar? You know what what's the happy medium, or or where would you go with this?
5: Well, football is in a, a, a pretty critical little bind right now, and and that is the the health and safety of student-athletes in this day and age, that is priority one. And so, you know, the tone of the age, the tone of the times dictates what's right. Mm -hmm. And uh, the tone right now is to be more cautious, safer. Uh, Mental health is a huge Mm -hmm. national issue. And anything that can uh, reduce mental health issues and reduce injuries that um, uh, could uh, and have been sort of shown in a lot of studies to bring on mental health issues, Mm -hmm. then you have a responsibility to limit. And so I I think that, uh, you know, we did the things that were right back when in the 60s that based on the times, and right now the times say you better be more cautious, you better err on the side of uh, safety and that's the right thing to do. And I think the wrong thing to do would be to probably, um, you know, get too upset about it and, and you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater or cut your nose off, spite your face. You just can't do it. The game, it's a difficult game. Uh, considering the times, I think we're all lucky that we still get to play football. And um, you just got to go along with with what the people that are in control, making the decisions, think is right, and and they're doing, they're not trying to purposely um, change the game and make it make it worse. They're trying to make it better and safer, and you got to go along with it. So, um, y- you know, coaches are going to be at one extreme, and doctors and and um, parents are going to mm-hmm. be. Um, at the other extreme so somewhere in between and and right now it's moving further away from the coaches and what they want and closer and closer to what doctors and uh, I think mental health um, officials uh, think it should be and should be done they're not trying to eliminate it they're just trying to make it safer and you know you got to give them credit for that and um, it doesn't do you much good as a coach to complain about it you have to you know you got to make lemonade out of lemons and you know you just went through a pandemic you found a way to make that work you'll make you'll find a way to make this work if it if it does change that much
6: gary barnett's with us hail varsity radio let's talk about making it work for being a good tackling team on saturday coach how do you how do you prep your guys say you're down to, to one day of contact and that may be the case in some programs and some conferences anyway But uh, repetition is going to make you better for Saturdays. And what's going to prepare you for Saturdays against a Michigan or an Ohio State, a Northwestern, from a physicality standpoint, you want to try and match or exceed your your opponent's physicality. You know, what what can you do to to be ready for Saturday when contact is going to be limited? What do you do as a coach? Obviously, make the most of your reps, but... Does it kind of go back into high school with, with who you're bringing in?
5: Uh, well, I think that's one thing. But, Chris, everybody's going to have the same rules. So mm-hmm. uh, if, if Michigan is more physical, it's because they recruited more physical players that are naturally, mm-hmm. inherently more physical. So uh, yeah, I got the point uh, when they started limiting our tackling. I started looking for guys who could naturally tackle. In space, and um, I would I would take a player that was a step slow, uh, uh, that could just have the instincts to tackle over a guy who couldn't tackle, and I just felt like it was going in that direction. And he, and, and you got to remember, you're, a, you're only half your team has to tackle. Uh, now the other guys may have to tackle in, on interceptions and situations, you know. Uh, Field goals that don't make it, and the guy runs it back. That that's always a problem, no matter what, because mm-hmm. those guys don't ever tackle in practice anyway. So only half your team has to practice, has to has to tackle. <laughs> and when you think about it, you really, uh, the guys in space are the ones that are most of of the issue. And so now you're down to secondary and and linebackers and usually outside linebackers. So, you know, you can can figure that out. And uh, tackling is a lot of instinct. And I really do think that a lot of defensive players are instinctive tacklers. The best ones are instinctive tacklers. So... um, it's not like you have to take all 180 guys and make them good tacklers or better tacklers. You really, you really only have to take about 20. Mm. So you, you got to figure out ways to do that. Coaches came up with all these drills. They talked to the to the rugby uh, community and got rugby coaches to come in and teach them how to tackle. Now I don't. I've watched all those drills yeah. everywhere, and I don't. I don't think I ever recall somebody making a rugby tackle in a game because it's not instinctive. You can. You know, you can go out and show me how to putt uh, left hand low, but I can't putt left hand low. So, um, you know, it's different. It's uh, I can practice it and practice it and practice it, and you know what? It just doesn't work for me. So, I think the same thing happens. You can do these drills to sort of cover your fanny, mm-hmm. but in the end, a guy's going to go tackle the way he's instinctively made to tackle. So, I think you just got to live with it. You got to. Make lemons, lemonade out of lemons, find a way to make it work, and, and uh, go on. And, uh, you know, of course, everybody, every school that doesn't tackle well, will we use that as an excuse at the, at the end of the game or at the end of the season. We, we had a poor tackling year because we couldn't practice it. And um, whether that's really true or not, I don't know. So, you know, you just got to go with it.
6: Got to adapt and adjust. Gary Barnett's with us. Hale, varsity radio, coach. Uh, last time we talked, we were wondering about the Kansas job, Lance Leipold. Uh, Leipold uh, yep. getting the nod, and and uh, what's your reaction? Uh, what do you know about Lance, and what's kind of his rep?
5: Well, Lance in the coaching world has a really good reputation, I might add. I mean, everybody that I know that knows him really thinks he's an outstanding football coach, and. Uh, you know, you asked me if anybody would take that job. And, and I said, sure. I mean, it's, <laughs> you jump from, uh, a lower level, uh, to a power five game team. You're going to do it, uh, especially considering where, where things are going in football now. So it didn't surprise me that Lance took that job. I think, I think in the long run, it's probably the right move. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to jumpstart it somehow. Uh, Hiring a guy off less of staff was not going to jumpstart it. It was just going to calm the waters a little bit. But this this needs, uh, you know, one of those treatments in the ER room when they say clear. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole electric shock goes into your system. So, um, you know, overall, that's the way I see it from a distance. I don't personally know Lance, mm-hmm. but I just I know lots of coaches that do. And uh, they they really uh, do admire him.
6: What 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 challenges did you have? And I don't know what you did with 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 uh, Northwestern or Colorado when it comes to to staff. How much staff you, you brought with you from one place to another, or what you wanted to do when you were assembling that initial staff. But what was kind of your rule of thumb? How hard was it to to keep a guy or leave a guy when you were making a move? That's that's my question. When you make that jump from a from a group of five to a Power 5, going and hiring the best or, or keeping guys that that have been with you uh throughout the tra- throughout the trek.
5: Well, it's a combination and uh when you go to make a move like this, you you have to make it a business situation and that is I've, you've worked with all your coaches. You know their strengths and their weaknesses. You know the guys that you absolutely feel like you have to have with you, and those are the guys you take. Um, everybody else is in that business. They know this can happen any moment, and they will adapt. They will. They will be okay. So, but that's hard. It's real hard as a coach because these guys have worked. Some of you, some of them, have been with you for a long time and have worked really hard for you. But you, you, when you go take another job. Uh, you got to think about that next job. You can't think about the last one, and what's it going to take? Uh, you know, you have this chance. You have this chance to do this once. Okay. Now, the the difficulty in changing at this point in time is you don't have a lot of choices outside of your staff, mm-hmm. other than the guys that exist at Kansas, because everybody, most guys, are set in their ways, right? Set where they are. They don't want to. Pack their family up in the middle of May, and and make a move. They feel pretty loyal, but there, that being said, there's always a couple of guys who who wish they were somewhere else mm-hmm. and are willing to do that. So you got to be careful with it. But this is about picking, hand picking the guys you want to start uh, digging a trench with, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's critical that you that in your mind you bring the right guys and uh you know first thing you hire i think is a strength coach the second thing you hire is a you uh uh, you probably get your two coordinators third thing you want to make sure your trainer's the right guy and fourth you want to make sure your academic guy's the right guy and then you go out from there so um that's you know you get one chance to do this
6: Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, last thought. Thanks for spending time with us today and interested. How would you approach scholarships and what would you allocate for the, the portal versus high school? Would you Would you reserve five spots for portal transfer versus high school kids coming in? How would you approach that?
5: Well, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just watching it from a distance, mm-hmm. and I heard Carl talk about it, Carl Durrell talk about it and talk to other coaches. And uh, I, I think it's like going to a junior college is what it is. Yes. You're going to handpick somebody for one reason uh, and for one position. So it's, to me, you, you use it like you would ju- use junior college situations. Where do we really need somebody? What position do we really need somebody? And that's when you go to the portal. You used to go to junior colleges. Now I think you go to the portal first. Um, so I don't think I would necessarily do a percentage, mm-hmm. um, but it would boil down to how many, how many junior college guys would I, do I think I need to take this year? Mm-hmm. And then I go to the portal first to get that number. If I can't get that number through the portal, then I'd go to the junior college after that to fill that number. So somewhere, you know, who knows? It would change from year to year.
6: How much golf are you playing this weekend?
5: Well, you know, just a normal, normal amount. Um, but but I'm in a slump right now, so I I, I got to have a do a little have a little talk with myself.
6: You'll, uh, you'll I'm sure you'll get out. Of
5: I think I'm talking to myself too
6: much. You're just you're just talking a lot. Well, <laughs> crank up the smoker and then have a Corona and enjoy. Okay, your weekend. Chris, Coach, take care. Thanks again for the time. You bet. Talk
0: later. There he is. Gary Barnett with us on Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks to Chris Schmidt for leaving us that one. Bill Dolman, Damon Barr taking care of Hail Varsity on a Thursday. Uh, next up, Mike Riley, reunion of the Average Joe football show. We are presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now.
1: And now, back to Hail Varsity
2: Radio. Welcome back to Hale Varsity Radio, I'm Bill Dolman, Damon Barr is in, I just from Chris Schmidt and Gary Barnett a few uh, moments ago, and uh, Chris will be visiting with Danny Burke a little bit later on. Right now it is time to do the uh, Average Joe Sports Show version of Hale Varsity Radio, and pleased to welcome in and rejoin good friend Mike Riley, the pride of Lincoln Northeast and the pride of Fairbury on the air together again. Riles, how are you?
4: Uh, Doing great, Bill. It's uh, good to be back. We're putting the band back together. Yeah, we just need the kegger to roll in. Yeah, Yeah, we need to call the kegger in and and Schmitty uh, uh, weighing in and we've uh, got it put together. We've got to do that roundtable again one of these days. Uh, We'll carve out a Monday and we'll all get on. It'd be a good time. Those are good times.
2: I just get on. Let's just get together. We'll get together over there on Cornel Square Highway. We'll bring Mike Babcock in, and we'll talk pro wrestling, old-school pro wrestling for like two hours. It'll be gold, solid
4: gold, Jerry. Oh, those were some legendary shows. Those are always a good time. <laughs> uh, it, it, ne- never a dull moment when we had uh, Mike on, Sipple would stop by. Uh, you never know who was going to uh, stop by. We had some really wild stories back then. I mean, that was uh, the Callahan era that was uh, – uh, you know all the coaching changes uh, before that, and uh, the seven and seven season, and you know things were really in disarray back then. So we had a lot to talk about.
2: Yeah, we're talking about the Average Joe Sports Show, which uh, we started on ESPN 1480 back about 2003, 2004, just because there was like an hour and the programming day where we didn't have anything to do, so we decided, well, let's just do something local, and so just got buddies around and uh, did what everybody else does when they get together at, uh, at the local sports pub and sat around the table and talked. The best parts though, were, Riles, in the middle of the summer when nothing was going on, and unfortunately there would be a pro wrestler from the 1960s or 70s that might pass away, which led to legendary conversations about Ivan Putsky, the crusher, uh, Baron Von Rasky from Omaha South. Those were the days.
4: Oh, yeah. It was legendary. DeadWrestlers.com was our friend back then. And we let <laughs> right. Tim, Tim Newman on, too. Uh, one day he was in the studio <laughs> with us, I remember. We were talking pro wrestling with It was great. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, let's talk about what's uh, what else has been going on with you. You uh, have uh, created a meet, uh, consulting empire in Chicago, and it basically worked for every, I believe, college in the city of Chicago, and will probably be starting your own college in uh, Chicago to continue your, your media empire. But I'm finding it interesting, Riles, and, and, and I, always, I do think about you when, when I, when, with the changing landscape in media, and especially sports media and the direction it's going, because, you know, back in the day, it was the Journal Star and the World Herald, USA Today, and then you might get uh, some national writers or reporters that would come in. But now you've got things like OutKick, Bleacher Report, uh, Barstool Sports, uh, The Athletic. And now, but you also see, Riles, where those independent entities are all of a sudden being corporatized. There's talk today about The Athletic you know, uh, being sold, that sale not going through, OutKick going to Fox, Bleacher Report with CBS. What on earth is the media landscape today and what's it going to be like?
4: Yeah, you know, a lot of it started, you know, back in the mid 1990s uh, when we first started to make that shift to digital. Um, At that time, there were so many large media companies swallowing up. uh, You know, Disney was purchasing everything inside, you know, ESPN, everything everything else. You know, Tribune Company was rolling right along and and buying up parts of AOL and uh, other things. Um, And now you're seeing some of that older media really struggling. Uh, but they see these upstarts. I mean, the Athletic has just such a, a wonderful business model. I've uh, had several of my friends leave uh, sports writing at ESPN and the Trib and other places to go to work for the Athletic. Now, it's no wonder they're going to be purchased. And they, they were, really came along at just the right time. They had a new approach to journalism, sports journalism, uh, with a lot of the analytics in uh, the data analysis that other media just weren't doing it quite yet. Uh, so they really – and plus, they got a little lucky with some of the markets they chose. One of them was Chicago. It was the year that Cubs won the World Series. Um, so they've come along and, and really, you know, carved out a nice niche for themselves. Uh, Bleacher Report has come along with way. Sports Nation with Vox um, has done some really fabulous stuff. I've got a couple of friends that work there. Uh, so, you know, most of my friends that have worked at the Tribune, except for Paul Sullivan, the baseball writer, have gone. They've gone to w- work for betting sites. Teddy Greenstein, who covered the Big Ten for years. Works for a sports betting site now doing call. Uh, KT Johnson, who covered the Bulls for many years, he's at NBC Sports Chicago. Um, so a lot of those, uh, you know, existing traditional media outlets can't, you know, can't afford to keep, you know, veteran sports writers around, and they're searching for a business model that works, and they're not finding it. Uh, you know, the venture capitalists are, are coming in, and uh, you know the. Uh, hedge funds uh, with Alden Global just coming in and and buying up uh, uh, anything in sight. Large newspapers, they're buying. You know, be careful about who buys you too, because uh, uh, they can also come in and pull, pull Gordon Gecko and just take you apart. And that's happening in a lot of places.
2: Well, that's that's you know kind of my question and my concern in in taking a look at the sports media landscape, where you do have some independents out there, but when you see. The athletic wanting, you know, to the Axios thing is apparently going to go through and now not go through, and you might see them merge with. Uh, I thought I saw the New York Times or something. I don't know what it was, but uh, and then without kick and Fox Sports or CBS having influence, perhaps over Bleacher Report, do you worry that the that the independence of sports journalism might have peaked and it's going to go back into a, a corporate shell and you will write what you're told to write when and how.
4: But there's always going to be a new uh, invention. The other thing we're also seeing, Bill, is we're also seeing independent sports journalists go out and establish their own brands. You're seeing that with columnists uh, on news side, too. Uh, you know, they have their own following. They're starting sub-stacks, uh, the newsletter uh, uh, organization. I've got a sub-stack off, off my website, Journalist Toolbox. And you can set up your own income level. So I think there will always be some independence there, uh, either through new startups, uh, that are hoping to be purchased. And that's always the goal. If you're going to start this independent, uh, upstart, you know, uh, uh, sports entity, uh, you want it to be purchased. I mean, because the founders are going to, you know, line their pockets. That's just how it works. Uh, but they're also going to have the independent um, uh, journalists. Uh, who are out there establishing their uh, own brands? You know, Chris Dupreme did this uh, uh, late in his career when he retired from the LA Times. He got together with a couple other college football writers and, and started a, a blog and then you know, evolved into a website uh, with the goal of it being you know, purchased one day. Um, so that's, that's that business model out there now. Uh, you know, we weren't taught entrepreneurial journalism when we were in journalism school, you know, it just didn't exist. You know, we had to kind of learn it on the fly as we went. Um, but, yeah, I think there will always be an independent voice there, um, uh, which has been great to see over the years. You know, Sports Nation and some of these, you know, started as just these small entities. Um, you know, Barstool Sports, God, used to be just nothing. It's, you know, a groundswell, for better or worse, uh, with some of their social media presence, uh, uh, you know, is, is really groundswell. And, you know, that makes them, um, uh, you know, uh, very, very fruitful uh, for these companies that are looking to buy uh, entities that will drive traffic and social media attention to, to their larger brands. And and that's, that's the business model. Now, love love it or hate it. That's, that's how it works.
2: And let me ask you about one of the journalism stories of the day by a journalist making the story himself. And that's the, the Adam Schefter Aaron Rodgers thing. I'm guessing you may have followed it just a little bit, given that Green Bay and Chicago pretty much hate each other. Um, but I thought it was interesting listening to his comments. I didn't listen to the entire interview with Dan Patrick, but I listened to the segment where he asked him about the releasing of the story with Aaron Rodgers running out of Green Bay. And Schefter said today, uh, you know, the ESPN senior NFL writer said, well, it wasn't anything new. It was an accumulation of all the information that we've been gathering over the off season, And it just so happened that I decided to release it on draft day like there was some innocence to it okay you've got a story but you have nothing new but you have dictated as to when nothing new story is going to come out what do you make of it
4: yeah the timing of it you know when it first came out i was like oh how convenient right before uh right before the draft um my first hunch was that this was uh rogers and his agent you know orchestrating this because they wanted to get him out of there um, you know, it, it's it's weird. You know, having having covered beats before, and I had this long talk with this about with Casey Johnson uh, uh, years ago. Um, he was uh, actually accused of sitting on a story by Jim Gray about a fight between Jimmy uh, Jimmy uh, Vinny Del Negro uh, and John Patson um, that you know came, became physical. Gar Foreman was involved as well with the Bulls, and, and you know Casey goes, "I wasn't sitting on the story." He goes, "I just didn't have it fully confirmed yet." There were some things that I hadn't pinned down yet. So I don't know, you know, Scheffer's reporting style or, or what, uh, you know, maybe there were some things, some loose ends that he hadn't had confirmed yet. So I'm, I'm not going to go after him, you know, based on when, when he released it, because maybe he still had something to, to pin down in it that I, we just don't know about. Uh, but, you know, it sounded like he'd been gathering a lot of information on this, you know, the series of uh, texts with his other teammates, that chat, you know, where he was calling him. Jerry Krause, which we loved in Chicago, we're loving all this here. By the way, it's the only thing we have to cheer for <laughs> right now. Um, really, literally, uh, it's just, you know, it's a dumpster fire here as far as sports. You know, we're putting our hopes on Aaron Rodgers leaving and Justin Fields, uh, you know, being our only hope. You know, he's our Obi Wan Kenobi. But to, uh, you know, it, it it just depends on on when he had it pinned down. And, and I don't know. Uh, I've heard bits and pieces of the Dan Patrick interview today. I want to hear the whole thing. Uh, because it sounded like there were some loose ends there that he really needed to tie up. Uh, but I, I was, the timing of this, you know, all uh, from the very beginning was very suspicious. Was it coming from the Rodgers camp or was it coming from the ESPN camp? Like, oh, we're going to drop a bomb on Green Bay right before, uh, you know, uh, the, the uh, day before the draft begins. Uh, but there were talks going on. That was confirmed out of San Francisco that the Niners were talking to them. Uh, so there, there you know, was truth to this. Um, but I thought the timing of a lot of it was
2: a very peculiar. <laughs> uh, it, just, it, it just seemed like, uh, you know, that he's in his, his cubby and, at ESPN with his head down for, for several weeks and then looked uh, up on Groundhog Day and released their story. And, oh, but it's, it's draft day, and our network has a significant <laughs> stake in how well the draft goes for us. And uh, we, I had no idea. But... Yeah, anyway, Browse, we're down to a final couple of minutes, and really this should be a two-hour documentary with the two of us, so we do have to do this again <laughs> at some point. So I'm not sure which direction to go with you, because I know the, the, you and I love to discuss the latest uh, Hallmark Channel movie, but apparently that's not going to happen, and I've got 45 seconds, so I guess I have to ask you, because you mentioned Justin Fields, so we will, we'll save the Hallmark movies for later, and, uh, and we'll discuss that at another time. Real quick. Is Justin Fields a sugar high or a long-lasting Rocky Mountain high? You know, I I, I think he's going to pan out. I really
4: do. I liked him in college. Um, uh, you know, he has a size. He can take off running. He is a good fit for the Matt Nagy offense. Um, the one thing is people here are trying to rush him. Oh, he's got to start day one. Uh, you know, give him a little time. Let him develop. You know, throw Andy Dalton out there, Nick Foles, whoever you want. But But bring him along. You know, don't throw him to the wolves. Keep in mind, he's going to have – uh, a, a rookie left tackle and probably a rookie right tackle uh, uh, You're protecting him. Uh, and that's not a good situation. To be in. They uh, cut Charles Leno uh, two days after the draft, which I think was a huge mistake. Uh, they need to bring Kevin Jenkins along a little bit slower. Uh, but, you know, uh, Justin could play, and he is a good fit for that offense. Of course, we were saying that four years ago uh, with uh, somebody named Mitch Trubisky, too. So uh, what do we know about quarterbacks in Chicago?
2: Well, here's this, and we got to say goodbye, Riles, and it's, it's great talking to you. He's in a much better situation than Jordan Love is in Green Bay because if Aaron Rodgers goes, Jordan Love is going to be the most hated hometown quarterback in the history of the NFL. Riles, love you. Great talking to you. Let's do this again sometime. when we have an average Joe Sports show coup on Hale Varsity Radio once again. Take care, man. See you, Riles. All right, back with more. Uh, Chris Schmidt talks with Danny Burke after this. No. And now,
6: back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, and Bill Dolman's been taking you a lot of the way today, sitting in on Hale Varsity. We welcome in the pride of Chicago is Danny Burke. Burke's Best Bets, Veasan Sports Network is where you hear him. Over a hundred affiliates strong, and the uh, Veasan Sports Network uh, also iHeart Media. At Danny Burke Five on Twitter, Pride of Chicago, are you uh, you sleeping one off, brother? I'm kind of kidding, but not really. Your cubbies with the sweep.
7: I just, God, It's just so ridiculous. This is the most Cubs thing of all time because you know that they're just going to like lose two out of three against the Pirates right after they just won the Dodgers <laughs> because that would be the most Cubs thing of all time. And hand up, I bet, on the Dodgers that last game, and that was so infuriating. Los Angeles just refused to win that game. And even even after Jock Peterson, uh, you know, pimped the home run uh-huh. that was only a sack fly, somehow they still won where I feel like for the baseball gods. If you do that, you deserve to lose, but that's how frustrating the Dodgers have been as of late. But no, the, the Cubs are just going to get everybody's hopes up until they inevitably let them down soon enough. Uh,
6: I love that. pimped that. Danny, how long did you ever pimp a home run?
7: <laughs> you know, I, I I couldn't when I was last hitting home runs because I don't think we had fenced to some of the parks so I still had to run my gun off before I got thrown out. But <laughs> if I'm playing with friends now, then yeah, I'll do it. Or even Maybe even 16 inches We're playing a really crappy team that I'll pimp it occasionally you, but uh, usually I gotta hustle a little bit more so
6: you gotta pimp that wiffle ball bomb you just gotta do it I love it so Danny uh, let's get into the NFL draft and how did the draft treat you financially my friend
7: you know for my pocket it, honestly it wasn't the best because the Bengals pretty much is the team that ended up screwing me Schmitty, because I've <laughs> had them to select an offensive lineman in as we know they went with Chase and that was kind of the the thought process for a lot of people as we got closer and closer that they were going to go with Chase. I still think they should have went with Sewell. I know like a GM I think was the report said out of this draft class or whatever he's like the for sure Hall of Famer is going to be Sewell. Like right now the guy who is going to be the top dog for sure is going to be Sewell. And that was to need that the Bengals really had to get. And granted they did in the second round Schmitty but still I mean I just thought it was ridiculous that they passed him up but you know, that's what Zach Taylor's going to do, and I'm sure Joe Burrow had a lot of influence in wanting to get his teammate. Uh, nevertheless, uh, you know, overall we did pretty, pretty okay. I kind of bounced back with a little. Uh late bets with some of the uh, in-draft kind of selections that you could do later on with what some teams need because you kind of understood what their second or third pick was going to be just based on those necessities. So that was kind of a fun thing to do. But I mean, overall, Schmitty, hey, we're just ecstatic about Justin Fields coming to Chicago, baby. I,
6: I know you are, and I saw that, and between you and, and Greg and, and, and St. Nick, I mean, all the Bears people, Suitsi, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of you Bears fans that wear it on your sleeve and you don't ever waver. And I'm happy you got a quarterback. I think Fields is fantastic. I hope it, it, it flourishes for him because Chicago's a lot of fun and uh, the Bears and the NFL are better when, when the Bears don't suck, right? And they're just not a headache. So tell me what your immediate takeaway is here. What, what's what been the reaction where you're at in Chicago and specifically, you know, what's the timeline here? Is he mid-season starter? Do you throw him in? Do you let him battle? I know we're getting cart before the horse here, but how do you treat this here so he doesn't uh, go the way of many former quarterbacks in Chicago?
7: So it was funny. Leading up to the draft, the more people I had on my show that we were talking about it, I kind of kept bringing it up like, hey, what's the realistic chance that the fair trade up for a quarterback? And most people consensusly were like, yeah, you know, I think it's pretty good. They're going to be in the sweepstakes for it. And I couldn't muster up the courage to actually pull the trigger on them selecting a quarterback with the first pick. I think it was at about 4-1 to one odds. So not the greatest because it was a popular opinion that they could do that. And look, it, Pace had to do it, Schmitty. I mean, like to save his job, to keep his tenure going Mm -hmm. along with uh, the rest of his front office and Nagy, like they needed to make a big move. It doesn't matter the hole they gave up because one, if it works out, it doesn't matter. And two, if it doesn't, Pace isn't going to be here to suffer the consequences so he doesn't have to deal with it. But I think this is the first time, too, in my life that after a Bears draft pick in the first round, everybody unanimously was happy and cheering like... The war just ended or something. like Everybody in Chicago was just so elated that this occurred because that was the last hope. And once they made that trade, you knew it had to be Justin Fields if it was Mac Jones. I don't think you would have had that consensus happiness from every Bears fan. But no, everybody's excited. I don't think he's going to be the starter out of the gate. I mean, very early speculation, but I feel like it's going to be what happened with Trubisky and Glennon, where Glennon gets a few games. You realize. Why are we paying this dude? He's not really that good. Let's put in the guy that we drafted and that's gonna be the same thing that happens. Albeit I do think that Dalton's a lot better than Mike Glennon. And I think Dalton is serviceable. But uh, it'll only be a matter of time for Fields to come in, which was interesting because they have offensive rookie the year odds posted and at first Fields was second behind Trevor Lawrence, but it was like, why would you bet that if you don't even know if you're going to get a full season out of Justin Fields? And they had Zach Wilson at about 10-1. to He finally moved down to 7-1. to But if you're looking at something like that, I mean, make sure the guy you're betting on so not Fields, not Trey Lance, are for sure going to be the starters. So that was kind of an interesting market to look into. But, hey, the sooner Fields is in the mix, the better for us here in Chi-Town.
6: Danny Burke with us. Burke's best bets. His show, Rush Hour, six to seven weeknights on VEASAN Sports Network, iHeartMedia. So let's get into the Browns and Chargers specifically when it comes to some totals and futures there. They uh, had decent drafts. Of course, Hymas we spoke with this week. He's off to to, to to la-la land with the Chargers. But before we get into Rogers' odds here, a couple seconds here on, on just Cleveland and, and the Chargers and, and what they said to you.
7: Yeah, I mean, I think the Browns arguably had the next best draft. I mean, you know, biased a little bit, obviously with the Bears. I mean, I think they had a great draft, too. But, look, the Browns really addressed their needs, especially defensively. I mean, Greg Newsom, a really great get, and the list just kind of kept going on and on for Cleveland. And that division in the AFC North is very wide open for them. I do think the Ravens are still the top team because they also had a really good draft, especially with those two first round picks with the defensive or the linebacker and then a wide receiver. Cleveland's going to be right there so i think cleveland you're looking at their win total 10 and a half a little bit of plus money could be a good play but more importantly schmitty yeah i really liked what the chargers did too i think this is a team that's going to make some noise they have a very favorable schedule their win total at nine i think they could for sure get over that i mean they're picking up rashawn slater a guy that you know a lot of people thought maybe wouldn't even fall that far then you also get Asante samuel jr who could be a stud and like you said hymen so I think the Chargers are going to be a team if they can stay healthy defensively with Derwin James and company, which has been the issue. We saw what Herbert's capable of doing. I really like the Chargers mm-hmm. over their win total of nine. And if you want them to make the playoffs or think they do, the S yes is plus 149 with the extended postseason. That might not be too bad of a play.
6: Danny Burke's with us. Hail Varsity Radio at Burke's Best Bets Said Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Pride of Chicago, Rogers ends up where? Talk to me about this Green Bay saga, bud, about 45 seconds.
7: I mean, look, if you asked me two days ago, I'd say I have absolutely no idea, and I still relatively don't, but with the Jerry Krause report that came out where he's calling his GM Jerry Krause, <laughs> I really just don't think it's going to work out with the Packers. The Packers are minus 134 for him to remain there. The Broncos, is a lot of people have touted it, as being the top team. They're the next short shot at plus 150. Broncos seem like the most likely option if Green Bay is going to trade him to get him out of the conference. 49ers would have made more sense originally, but I think they got denied when they first gave the offer to Green Bay. But maybe now because they have the quarterback package, something could happen. The Raiders, I don't think they come in at 9-1. Don't think that's going to be viable, per se. Saints would be, but the Saints are going to have to give up a haul, and they're at 12-1. So for me, it's going to be Broncos, if anything. It's indicated by the odds and reports that if Rodgers is going to dip, it's going to be there.
6: Well, we'll see. It'll be after June, probably, so we got a whole month of Rodgers watch. Danny Burke, check him out, Rush Hour, uh, iHeartMedia, VEASAN Sports Network. Danny, we'll talk next week. Great to get caught up, bud.
0: Hey, you, bet, Schmitty. Take care. We'll qualify you up next. Memorial Day kickoff. Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us?
1: Come here, brother. Give me a hug. We're in for the real
0: thing. We're on call for you. Catch the
1: podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
6: Winding down, it's time to say hi to Deb, the spa lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2, off Industrial Road in Omaha, and spasonline.com. Deb, how was the hot tub show?
8: It was crazy. It was so good to actually see hot tubs that were for sale. And so we, of course, sold out of those, and we ordered more. But uh, come in and see us. You know, there's, um, there's always a wait time, of course. But at least get your your spa ordered, and you get in line and uh, and get a spa in that backyard. A lot of people, their projects do take a few you know a few months. So uh, if you pick something out, we'll get it on order, and who knows when you're finished up with that
6: project, we'll we'll get it in your backyard. Deb, the spa ladies with us, Home Innovation Spas, uh, 20th and Highway Two, in Lincoln, off Industrial Road in Omaha. Now, Deb, you've got that perfect spa. For the backyard, for the basement, for the deck, you got a size that uh, can fit any uh, backyard setup, and I'm sure folks saw that at the, the, the spa show over the weekend, but tell, them, tell folks when they can come see you and some of the specials you have going on.
8: Okay, we do. Like you said, Chris, we have everything from a little two-person spa up to the big swim spas that are 15 feet long, 18 feet long, 19 feet long. So everything in between. They can come see us. Our regular hours are 10 to 6, Monday through Friday, 10 to 4 on Saturday. But you can always go to our website, that's spasonline.com.
6: Well, those hours are perfect. And, Deb, I know folks got great deals from you over the, the weekend. And there's always, you know what, a budget folks need to hit. And you've been hitting that budget for years, haven't you?
8: That's right, and we also have the financing lined up, so we make it so affordable for everyone to have a spa.
6: So have you watched a Royals game in a spa yet this season?
8: I have not. I have not. But I need to because they're doing so good. I need to get my Salvy jersey out and start wearing it again.
6: <laughs> Salvy needs Salvy needs his own like uh, you know ro- royal spa from Deb. <laughs> he has Been carrying the team, man. His back's hurting him.
8: <laughs> <laughs> he's got oh golly, and he's always so positive. What a great leader for that team. So uh, yeah, I need to I need to get out there and, and impress him.
6: Well, and uh, go see Deb and get. Get that hot tub get that spa ordered today and do it uh, three decades of excellence with home innovation spas 20th and highway 2 in lincoln off industrial road in omaha spas com. go see deb the spa lady deb will talk next week thanks for making time today
8: oh you bet thanks chris bye-bye
0: let's get you qualified memorial day kickoff your chance to win a weber gas grill hundred dollar gift certificate from leon's gourmet grocers and a hundred dollar campbell's nursery gift card Caller number nine, you will qualify, 402-466-3776, 1-800-825-5865. I'm going to go take calls. Bill, 30 seconds, wrap it up. Bill, you're still muted.
2: All right. He gives me 30 seconds and tells me I'm muted. All right. So I didn't have a chance to talk about the renewal of the rivalry with Nebraska and Fordham, We didn't get a chance to talk about Salt Dogs Baseball and Charlie Meyer bringing the team back and all of that. And we didn't get a chance to talk about why there are no longer Fairbury brand hot dogs at Memorial Stadium. I guess we'll have to do that tomorrow.